This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Anya Packer. Anya, how's it going? It's good, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Finally, we got this in. <laughs> I know, seriously. It only took us uh, like six years. <laughs> for sure. Um, now I know you're, you're the GM, um, of the Riveters and I know you were in the players association. You're the president before. Um, so what, what has that transition been like? Oh my gosh, that transition has been insane. So I went from player to head of the PA, head of the PA now to, um, a general manager. And on the PA side, I was like totally working for the athletes. It was all pro bono. It was all about, you know, trying to figure out what we could do with less. And now I have a budget, I've got a team, I've managed travel, I manage all these different things and I hire people underneath me. And so the transition of having no team and working only for the players and then being able to invest in real people has been insane and watching what comes of it and and how the athletes have more and better and like the way our graphics look and our new jerseys and like whatever it may be. it's been a, it's been a really fun transition from the, I would call it like nonprofit players work side to now working for investors that believe in the athletes. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different feel because I loved working for the players and I loved fighting for them, but now being able to like pay for them and invest in them has been, it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird thing because you kind of switch sides, but you're still with them in the in the. It's sense. like I'm on the people on fire now, but like I'm I'm fighting for the good guys. So it's been uh, it's been it's been funny, and um, you know, I'll task myself to recognize when I'm thinking about it from one perspective or the other. But I will say, eighty to ninety percent of my decisions are made from the athlete's perspective. So, um, just what we have on on by way of like what we invest our money in or what kind of resources we have, yeah, is just dope because I'm a. I'm a player, but not. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, now I got to ask you six years ago when all this started, did you think you'd ever be a GM of a team? No, I actually was just watching old interviews of myself where I was talking about like the Connecticut whale and people should come to our games and what it was like. And what a different life I lived. I, I mean, I, we just, just yesterday shot a video that was like, if I could talk to old me mm-hmm. and no, could you imagine? I told myself, six, seven years ago that you're going to go from just playing in this league as like a fourth line grinder to being a general manager. I'd have, I'd have no idea. Yeah, no, it's been, I mean, it's been awesome just to see the whole league. I mean, I know we know each other for now six years, I guess. And uh, no, it's just been awesome to see your growth and things like that. And um, just going back um, to your playing career, like, let me, let me ask you, like, what was your first memory of like playing hockey? Ever in my life? Yeah. (laughs) I remember clear as day maybe because my dad told me the story about a million times but the first day I learned to skate my dad was on the ice with me and you got like two milk crates stacked together you put your fingers in the milk crates and you like try to skate and I looked right at my dad and I said do I need to hold on to the milk crates and he goes no I guess not and so I threw the milk crates to the side I started running on the ice ripping as fast as I could I did not know how to stop I slammed into the boards I got up did the whole thing again and I was just insane. I don't, I had no chill. And so I feel like every day that I keep doing this, I have no chill. I'll get into a new role. I'll go absolutely insane and try to do everything as fast as I can or 
you know, ramp up as quickly as possible. So it's definitely indicative of who I am as a person, but yeah, that was my first memory. So it wasn't really hockey that was skating, but. So you just, you just knew how to skate. I don't know. My brother is four years older and I think he started playing hockey when he was like seven or eight. So I was like walking, like I was four, like three or four years old. So no, I had no, no reason why I got on the ice. And then like, Four years later, when I finally started playing hockey, like you get get a jersey number, you like start to do these things. They were like, oh, what number do you want? My brother was number eight. And I was like, I want 16 because I'm two times better. <laughs> crazy child. I was absolutely insane. That's, that's hilarious. Now, I know you went to uh, Boston University. And uh, just tell me about like your recruiting process like out of high school. I was a complete walk-on. I sent my email out to like 5,000 coaches, tried to like beg them to come watch me play because I was from Waltham High, which is not where people recruit from. Five to six players on my team had never played hockey before in their life. Um, And I was playing the entire game, which again is not typical of hockey. I played from the minute the puck dropped until the end of the game because we only had three defenders and two were just learning how to play. Um, So finally I called Boston University. I'm like, please come to my game. Um, you've got to watch me, whatever they come, they scout a Waltham high school game. And meanwhile, my freshman roommate was in the Olympics. Like this is how different our hockey careers were. They were like, this wasn't hockey. We're not sure what we just watched an hour of. This was not a hockey game. We want to see you play in a different function. I go, okay, cool. So they came to like a triple A game. Um, and I was working at a skate shop. So I'm like stacking the shelves, like sharpening skates. And I get a phone call from Brian DeRocher. And he goes, number 16, number 26, number, he's like saying like numbers. And I'm like, is this the wrong number? Are you calling the wrong person? And he goes, what jersey number do you want? I'm crying. I, I literally ground a skate down to like this, pushing it into the thing. I'm from, I don't know how, but I did. I made the team and I was a, a recruited walk-on my senior year. I got the call. It was a surreal moment where everybody else is coming from, like I said, the Olympics or the best player in their state or what have you. And I was just a kid from Waltham Mass that would not stop emailing them. Yeah. So was that, were they your like only choice? No, I, I there was a, a couple of the schools I was I definitely could have con- gone and played division three hockey. I had a couple of division one teams, lower, lower tier teams that were looking at me, were having these conversations, but I was obsessed with BU. That's all I wanted to do was go play at BU. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I, I mean, in that year we went to the national championship. So we were, it was a really good team. And so making that team was one of those things where I felt like that was what I wanted. And I really like hyper-focused on it. Um, and I, I mean, I could have, like I said, I could have played at division three schools, yeah. like a regular shift. And I was like, Nope, all I want to do is be on the Terriers. Like that's all I want. And so, um, that call was definitely like highlight one of the best calls in my entire life. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, and then for the listeners that don't know in, in hockey, there's not really a division two, so it's either one or three. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then just what was your experience overall just at, at BU like on and off the ice? I love that school so much. And I had, I made lifelong friends. I mean, even to this point, Kaylee Frackin, who was my roommate day one. Yeah. Um, actually, we joke. Day one, she definitely chirped me because I was number 26 and D usually wear low numbers. And 
first thing she said to me, I swear, we were just talking about it the other day, but first thing she said to me was like, Ooh, 26, that's a dusty number. I was like, going to school, completely scared out of my mind. I love her so much, but um, yeah, best experience, best four years I could have possibly had. It was, it was where I learned, really learned to play hockey, where I really felt like I could take charge of my life through this sport. And then as I leveled up from there, playing in the Canadian Pro League, then playing in the, the National uh, Women's Hockey League, now the Premier Hockey Federation. Um, it was just what kicked my whole life off. I met my wife here. It's like hockey's definitely been the thing that's lived throughout my entire life. And I'm, I'm so fortunate that BU gave me that chance and um, that I met those lifelong friends there. Yeah, so like in college or or I guess, yeah, during the end of your career, like, did you, did you like think you were going to go pro or did you like think hockey was the end, that was like the end or what? I think I, I, same thing. I, I just wanted it so badly that I wasn't prepared to let somebody say no to me. So I don't know if I just, I mean, now that I'm talking about, it, I just sound like a stubborn person, but I didn't want to stop. Know. I think it's, your, I think it. it's drive. Like, I think you yeah. just wanted something and you just kept on going for it and you achieved it. I couldn't stop. So I, you know, I, emailed at the time it was Digit Murphy actually who was running the Boston Blades which was the Canadian Boston based pro team and it wasn't paid it was more like a you know it was a amateur league for sure but I called her a thousand times Dig, I need to be a practice player on that team and she was like whatever fine fine I'll be a practice player she's like stop calling me so I get there I, I start playing and at that point um, nine of my teammates went on to be in the Olympics and so Every day I was getting better at the sport and just chipping away at being better at hockey and continuing to grow in scale. And so I played there and then the National Women's Hockey League came out. It was like this big thing. It was finally going to happen when we're going to get paid to pay to play. Again, Freddie called me and she was like, I'm going to go try out for Connecticut. I'm done with living in Boston. I want something new. I want to change. I'm from a Boston area. So I'm like, let's go. Let's try it. We jump in the car. We drive down. We try out for this team. And I was like, but you have to be my D partner. Cause I want to make this team. Now I'm dying. I, it's on my mind. I need to make this team and she's sick. So I'm like, you got to be my D partner. We play like two or three scrimmages to try out for this team. I finally get the call that I'm on the team as a practice player. I'm like, all right, done bet. I'm there. So I get a job. I move to Connecticut, go down to be a practice player for this team. And I finally start to slot into some games. Next season comes, I get re-signed, go on and on and on. And then you know, now I fast forward and I'm the general manager of a team. And I think to myself, what? <laughs> How have I got? But I swear it's just stubborn or drive or, uh, you know, not ever wanting to have my life, not have hockey in it by some capacity. Yeah, definitely. And, um, similar question to before, but like, obviously the, the league just changed names and stuff, but like, what, what have you seen just from being a player now, the GM, just like the growth of the league and like, like what else, like, what have you seen? And like, what do you, what do you see in the future? Watching the way we operate under the hood has been really interesting to me because I see how many people all the way up the infrastructure from our chairperson to the board of governors to the new commissioner, I see how much people care and what they're willing to do and, and how hard of a grind it is to have it be successful. Women's sports is a grind and I am so fortunate that I can work with those people, but just knowing how much drive they have to not be told no and to have zero quit and to just keep going when it's costly, when it's, you know, hard, when it feels impossible is what gives me the inspiration that knows that we're going to be successful. So 
it's been really eye-opening to see it from the other side. What may have been frustrating as an athlete, I can now empathize with why it was that way or see now the increased investment that we have from our private ownership group that we can now subjugate those frustrations. So it's been really cool because I can look back at things and see clear errors. And then I can see pathways to making it right and changing it, making it better. And I think that all those alignments are starting to happen. Um, you know, we saw with ESPN plus, like we're starting to get the recognition and, and respect that we deserve. And it just comes from people at the top or people behind the scenes with the money that are, are, are unwilling to hear no. And so I know that there's going to be a, a long history here for women's hockey. And I'm really excited. I'm really fortunate that they, they exist and they love us. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I've been watching them on ESPN plus it's just easy to, you know, just turn on now instead of going on. I mean, Twitch is cool too, but you know, you got to go on your computer and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's different. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, no, and, and the league went from uh, four, six, four to six teams. Yep, and that scale is awesome. I mean, yeah. the same thing in women's basketball. We talk about it every day. Women's basketball, the WNBA could absorb six teams, I'm sure, and be totally fine. It's a cost ratio, right? But women's hockey could keep growing. The amount of teams that we could field, um, you know, there's there's a, the, the trajectory is, is infinite. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, the two teams that came is Minnesota and in and, uh, and Toronto. So those are obviously two big hockey markets. So totally. I'm sure there's, I know there's other hockey markets out there. So, a hundred percent. And it comes from like, like here's the other thing that we think about, right? Is to add a team that's a flight or to add a team that's across the border takes a level of maturity. So every time we're able to achieve one of those things, that's where I'm like, oh, what a level of maturity that we've now gotten to that we can have that team in Minnesota, that's going to be a flight. Like that's a, that's a really substantial cost for yeah. owners. So that always gives me a level of confidence too. When we're able to do something like that. That's such a step. Um, I think that's really speaks volumes to how, and how we're scaling, you know, it's not like we're adding a team that's a quick boss and it's a really light investment. It's real like meaningful investments. And I think that's really cool too. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if Madison told you, but I asked her this question too. And I said, I was going to ask you the question. So how did you two meet? Oh my gosh. Well, she would say probably, Oh, we met like whatever years ago. Um, I knew of Madison Packer my entire life. Cause we're the same birth year. So in all of our recruiting or all of our like USA camps, whatever it may be, she was like golden child. I was like, not even in the conversation. So I knew Madison for years. Not that like, you know, this meant that we were destined to be married, but I knew who she was for a long time. My freshman year of college was her freshman year of college. And we played each other in the national championship. Actually, this is the ring for it. And she displays it in my office. <laughs> so rude. But um, so I knew her, who she was for a really long time. And uh, when I headed up the Players Association, she had retired. She had a hip injury, then got surgery and like felt like a million bucks. So reached out to me to say, hey, I would love some support from the PA to come back in the league, you know, whatever. And so at that point, we had started talking. I was kind of helping her navigate the situation. Once she got back onto the riveters, I was like, oh, you want to grab a drink? And she's like, no, I'm all set. Again, the stubbornness. I was like, why don't you want to hang out with me? So then we, I, I kept going down this, like, asking her out, going, going different, like, 
links to be in the same space as her or going to like, I drove to Massachusetts to a hockey tournament that I wasn't coaching, said I was coaching it. We ended up grabbing a beer and that was like the start of our now five-year relationship. We have a baby, we're married. Um, no, yeah, stubborn, purely stubborn. She would not go out with me, which I thought was so rude. This is gonna this is gonna be an awesome clip. I don't even know how I'm gonna do it yet, but I'm gonna put them like side by side and somehow play. One's gonna play. Oh, I, I'm one. sure she was like, "Oh yeah, we just like met through hockey and now we're married." I asked her on maybe six dates. I was like, "Oh, uh, I'm gonna be here. Will you be there?" She was like, "Yeah, but I'm good." No, so good. it was pretty. It was pretty much the same story. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's funny. <laughs> oh man. 2020 you were named um top 25 most powerful women in hockey so what, what did that mean to you every time those lists came out and I could I could just get a verification from other people that the work I was doing was important um what a cool thing I look at the list now even to this day and I try to I try to humble myself and recognize that a kid from Waltham, Massachusetts that may or may not have ever made it division one that nobody counted on that nobody bet on is just continuing to shatter these borderlines. And, and actually my mom and I, like when something happens, I'll call her and we'll be like, Oh, I remember your high school coach that said you were never going anywhere in the sport of hockey. You know, I, we just like have these moments where it's like a very much like a prove people wrong style feeling about it. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm so thankful. I mean, it's really because of the people around me. I try really hard to do more and better, but I swear I'm only as good as the people that, that support me, that my wife, the players in the league that believe in me, the ownership or the commissioners that have wanted to sit down at the table and negotiate with me. Um, I, I really am just fortunate at, you know, I think I'm in the right place at the right time. And some of it is me. And I think a lot of it is, um, is really just being fortunate uh, and, and having the right insulated group around me to protect me and to help me and to um, support me so that I'm able to then speak for a lot of other people and make a lot more change. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then you were also named last year or 2021, the Forbes 30 under 30. And I, I believe you were one of like the feature stories too, right? I was, that was, that was a moment that I can't really describe. I, again, I was, hockey was something that I loved and something that I didn't really know that was going to have such a large impact on my life and so when I found that out I remember looking at Madison and just bawling my eyes out mm -hmm. because it felt it still does feels really um feels really good mm -hmm. to know that hours days months years of hard work and being the fourth line being the last to be picked, being all these things. It felt so surreal in the moment that I was sitting on a list with people that I never believed I ever could be a part of. And so it was really cool to be the female feature in sports that year um, and to be on that list because, you know, a couple of people that I, I met on social, like Ari Chambers and, and all these different people are part of this list. And I'm like, how the heck? is my name here and it, it was just a culmination of all the hard work and all the tears and all the sweat and all the times that people didn't care about what we were doing and fighting for it to be something that that got a little bit of market share so um yeah that moment was one that i i can't really describe
Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I was excited too because obviously I work with you, and then uh, Brandon Copeland, who's on the Falcons, got it last year with you too. So that was that was awesome to see. A hundred percent. And it's people like you don't even think about it, right? But it's people that believed in you when no one else did. Yeah. And that's that's another piece of it. Like like you, for example, being able to sit down and say, "Oh, well, women's hockey's dope." I am from the Connecticut area. You can pick two athletes up from Connecticut, give them merch, give them things like support their career. Mm-hmm. That matters. And so a lot of people don't recognize it really does take a village to make success, especially in women's sports more than ever before. I mean, you know, you've seen Renee absolutely scale up to being like one of the most incredible women mm-hmm. in the sports world, let alone women's sports. And so, you know, it just takes small, meaningful investments from people like you. And I, I always feel like, you know, in those moments, I can kind of shine back on them and say, wow, thank you so much for caring or investing time or telling my story. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, I feel like all the people that I work with are like underdogs and um, <laughs> like, it's awesome to always work with. Like, I feel like I always work with people that are at the like beginning of their career, but I see yeah. something and, you know, and most of the time something like dope happens or like their careers take off and stuff. So it's always uh, rewarding just to see uh, that always to come in fruition. Yeah, I mean, um, you do. You find them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should be a scout. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just I know you're a big uh, mental health advocate, and, and the Riveters just released those jerseys that um, were dope. I think I, th- I forgot exactly what they say. I think they said, Let, "Let's talk on it." Is it? Is yeah, it- let's talk about it. And on the other side, it says you're not alone. And so, yeah. um, you know, another thing that kind of motivates me is that my brother and I both had some really challenging times when we were growing up. And when I was in high school, I I tried to take my own life. I was hospitalized for a period of time trying to figure out what that was. And, you know, early 2000s, nobody was talking about it. Nobody was making themselves uncomfortable. Nobody was saying, hey, I have this problem or I need some space or I regularly go to therapy or any of these things. It was this very taboo conversation. And now that I'm able to lead a charge and have investable dollars and, and be able to run a brand um, and, and have my wife, you know, in the same place and, and really want to tell that story. It was, it was so important to me to get it done and so important to her. This was actually a charge that she led all the way across the finish line from designing the jerseys with our jersey designer, Justin, to getting to the point where she's releasing collections with uh, Power Forward that talk about mental health or that, that inspire the conversation around mental health. You know, we see it in sports now more than we have in the past. We watched it with Simone Biles at the Olympics. We watch it with Naomi Osaka. We watch it with different female athletes that are willing to talk and say, this is a problem. Robin Leonard, for example, in the NHL, I mean, he says all the time, like, I'm not in a good headspace or I need this or that. And my org is supportive of me. How impactful would that have been for 15, 16 year old me that was looking down um, on myself in a place that I just wasn't. We didn't have that willingness to live anymore. And, and if we can change one experience for one kid or one adult or one person that's looking at themselves and saying, I'm alone and remind them that you're not, um, how important is that? And, and so I, I'm really, I'm really thankful for our ownership group and our players and, and everybody around us that's willing to, to get really down into a tough topic and celebrate it and to say I go to therapy that's okay and we we inked an entire team and again this is probably what I was trying to say like as a former athlete I bring on a lot of resources that are athlete specific 
Um, so we brought on an entire team of mental health staff. And that was something that I felt really passionate about because not every team does. Not every team has therapists or um, psych teams or coaching or um, you know, grief counseling. And that's something that, that everybody needs. Mm-hmm. Athletes, people, parents, anybody. And so, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really thankful of everybody kind of stepping in and, and believing in the initiative and the cause. And we have some really cool specialty games. And this one is so personal to me and so personal to my wife and so personal to everybody that, that it's important to talk about mental health or drug addiction or these terrible things that we've demonized and considered weak or, um, you know, cast these people out. And so it's time to, it's time to talk about it and it's time to make it okay to not be okay for, for any period of time. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, uh, I believe your son is one now, right? Correct. Yes. Yes. He's, uh, 16 months. I can't believe it. Oh my God. So, so how has, how has motherhood changed you? In more ways than I could possibly have imagined. I, you know, you think I'm a great aunt or I'm a great cousin or all these things. I'm a little baby. He'll be my sidekick and, and we'll just run around. But as I start to look at my life as a parent, it's just, it's different. And it's different being a parent of a boy. And it's different than being a parent of a boy with a wife. And so we think so critically about consent and about how do we teach him to be a good man. And so it's been an interesting life lesson for me in one responsibility, not being able to do what I want or go where I want and have a different, you know, have a different human being that now only relies on Madison and I, but also then us thinking, what do we want him to be? What ideals do we want him to have? How do we teach him to be somebody that believes in all of these different things? And so it's been a, it's been a challenge and it's been something that we're learning every day, but um, what a lovely experience to have him around women's hockey and around these female athletes. Like we introduce him to every single player. We bring him to Connecticut whale games when Madison's not playing. Um, we actually brought him to uh, a Whitecaps whale game. Yeah. And I see him in all the gear. Yeah. in all the gear. I'm like, we can be fair with everybody. Um, naturally I want him to root for the ribs. Right. But, um, but I love no, I like that. How we're you able your jersey to on too. Your yeah. Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Throwback Battleino jersey. And, and so it's fun to, it's fun to, um, show him sports yeah. and not necessarily say men's sports, women's sports, but sports in general. And, yeah. you know, I'm excited about the, the, the torch that he'll carry on for us when we're, when we're too tired. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Are you ready for some fun questions? Yes, I love them. All right. So who who would you want to do a jersey exchange with right now in the league? And then who would you want to do a jersey exchange with in like the NHL? Okay. My jersey exchange in the current league would it probably be, be Frack. Be, all right, good. I was going to say it can't be Madison. No, I had <laughs> enough of those. They're all in my basement. I would say Freddie. I think, okay, while I'm her friend, I think she's one of the most underappreciated players in the entire league. Mm-hmm. As a defender that puts up equal to some of the best offensive players in the entire league. Um, I really respect her from a deep quality. I also like Haley Mack from the Whitecaps and I don't know her from a hole in the wall. So like, she's probably gonna be like, what the heck? That's so weird. But I love D. I think that there's a lot to be said about um, some really good defensive games. And so I, I think those two are my, my big PHF players. And then uh, in the NHL, I love Anse Kopitar. Why? Nothing to do with anything I just said about the PHF. Only because my nickname growing up was Anse. Like, 
Braddy gave me that nickname. People called it me all throughout college, throughout the pros. Um, I have nothing to do with his game. His game has nothing to do with me personally. I am not from the same nation of origin. Nothing to do, except my name is Anya and his name is Anse. So everyone call me that, which I think is hilarious. So I would love a Kopitar jersey for no all reason right. at all. All right, that's dope. Um, what, do, what do you like to do in your free time? I don't have any because <laughs> I we bought a fixer up. What do you like so to do in your past life? Yeah, my former life. I that was exactly what I like to do. I like to like do like tinker, like do things, build things. I took down a wall in our old condo and put a um, sauna in. So I would say like I'm really obsessed with like real estate and like home improvements and all these different things. So Madison follows me down a couple of different weird pathways with our current home and that's probably the thing that I like to do the most. I did the same in my parents' house. Like I used to help my dad build like stairs or redo the deck or whatever it was. So that was always, I like to build things. All right. I was going to say my last one's usually what do, what do people don't know about you, but I think that's one thing right there. You like to build things. <laughs> that's one of those things. I think also like, people don't know a lot about me. It's like, I'm a hard, I'm, I'm a hard though, right? Like I go hundred miles an hour. I am so sensitive and I love to be by myself which seems completely opposite of my character because I seem like a hard nose, like in your face, love to be around people, love to talk. But I say it's my Jekyll and Hyde. Like I could go to bed at 8 p.m., watch a show on my laptop by myself, not talk to a soul and be perfectly content in the world. And so I think that's like, I get exhausted by like game weekends when I'm talking to a million people. Um, and actually Kate, Kate Free's my photographer and I, we have this like, code where i'll be like oh we need to go grab something from the car and we'll walk like 20 minutes to my car and back and we won't say a single word we'll like look ahead and we'll say i'm like this is exactly what i needed <laughs> so hey i would all say right, those. all right i'll ask you a bonus question do you yeah, not have okay. any questions for me what'd you say do you have any questions for me i do actually i think <laughs> what i don't know is why why pg sports why why this what what got you here? I created it. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I was wanting to be a sports agent, and then I just created the Twitter page, and then uh, that was uh, 2011, and then I just made T-shirts just to, to promote it, and then from there just started reaching out to athletes and annoying them, kind of just what you were saying, just like just keep on like, uh, and this is funny too. I always talk about it now, and it's just like. Um, there wasn't even Instagram messaging then. Like I was literally DMing people on Twitter and like even on Facebook too, which is like weird to think about. Um, so things like that. And then just say, yeah, building relationships with athletes like you and, and everybody and then <clears throat> working with them on branding and marketing now. So it's dope to everything kind of, I mean, I'm not uh, technically an agent or whatever, but I work with athletes to build their brands and marketing and things like that. So I feel like I accomplished what I wanted to. It's so dope. I mean, I think so many times we don't take that that moment to have a victory lap for ourselves. Yeah. But you're one of those people that I look at and I'm like, you should like, you should, because yeah, that's see, so the thing is, insane. like, I don't know if I so I always think about it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever be satisfied. Me either. In a good, in a good me way. Either. I'll be the commissioner of some like multi-million yeah. dollar league, adding all these like values back to athletes, paying women like an insane amount of money. And I'll be like, what's next? Cause I'm crazy like that. I think you have that same drive. Yeah. That's yeah, why I, yeah. I feel like it's a good it. thing and a bad thing. Blessing and a curse. For yeah, sure. I got, I got, I got my Madison Packer shirt on too. <laughs> <I'm obsessed. laughs>
All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, could you let the listeners know where they can follow you at? Um, oh, listeners can follow me. At, all of my social handles are still my uh, my maiden name. So Battalino Anya or Battalino A. Um, you can search Anya Packer. You'll find me everywhere. Lamenting about women's sports, posting about women's sports um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. You can find me just making a thousand videos about my wife because she's the best. Um, you went viral but- a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> follow me, follow me there, but also follow the Riveters. Follow the Riveters at Riveters on all social platforms. Um, they deserve a follow. Uh, the more you invest in and support women's sports, whether that just be retweeting or liking or posting something to your story, like women's sports needs that bump. They need that love. Eventually, we'll get there. But, um, but yeah, follow us. Follow the Riveters. Follow the PHF, and um, and don't forget, turn us on on ESPN Plus.